You are listening to the audio podcast of Gethsemane Baptist Church, located in Long Beach, California, pastored by Eli Reynolds. Ecclesiastes chapter number 7. Ecclesiastes chapter number 7. Did we miss anybody with the fill in the blank sheet? Anybody need one tonight? Fill in the blank sheet. Okay, how about a pen? Anyone need a pen? Again. Again down here on the front row. All right, second row. Anyone else? All right. I just wanted to, uh, as you're turning to Ecclesiastes 7, um, I don't think I've really announced this, but for our format on Wednesday nights, um, you may be looking at your clock thinking, why are we always late starting at 7.10? The 10 minutes is part of the service. So the 10 minutes uh, from 7 o'clock to 7.10 is our fellowship time. And so we want you to be able to have time to come. And a lot of people can just get here right at 7. So we want you to have time to be able to fellowship and, uh, and spend time with one another and that sort of thing before the service. So just so you know, we're not just starting late every week. We have that time because we want to do that. We want to get around one another and talk and uh, catch up on things, okay? Uh, in your Bibles, Ecclesiastes chapter 7, and uh, our theme, someone tell me, what is our, don't look at the screen now, but what's our theme for the book of Ecclesiastes? Just say it out loud. Man, y'all sound excited. The emptiness of life without God. How many of you looked at the screen when you said it? You, oh, you cheaters down here in the front row. It's okay. Sorry, I was looking at the screen when I asked it, so that's all right. The emptiness of life without God. We saw Solomon's thesis statement of what he's writing the book for, that he found life to be empty and meaningless when he looked for uh, purpose in uh, money or pleasure or wisdom or all these other things, worldly wisdom. He's, he basically said there, there's no reason for life. There's no satisfaction in any of those things. My life is empty but he said, you know what? God has given us life, and through him we can enjoy it. And so we've seen that. And then we've had just uh, the last couple weeks here, just kind of some random verses, if you would, and some Proverbs mixed in, just really observations of Solomon. And they're grouped according to different sections. And today, we're going to look at verses 7 through 10. Next week, we'll take a bigger, a bigger chunk out. But this is just uh, four verses here. And I want you to write this in. If you haven't already got the title written in there, Patience is a virtue. <clears throat> Patience is a virtue. Now let's look at uh, verses 7 through 10. Surely, now backing up to last week, remember he was very, we called him Solemn Solomon last week. He was saying, take these things seriously. This is better than that. Laughter is, uh, you know, mourning is better than laughter. Sorrow is better than laughter. And as the crackling of thorns under a pot, verse 6. In other words, like you put a pot on a fire... And the thorns underneath, you'd, you'd start that fire to heat what was ever in that pot. Well, those thorns would burn up quickly and be gone. And uh, that's laughter to a fool. You know, it's here one minute, gone the next. But then he goes from a serious topic to another one. Verse 7, surely oppression maketh a wise man mad. Now, when you see mad in Scripture, you, you, may, you may be envisioning the line at Disneyland, something that makes you mad. But it's more along the lines of foolishness, foolishness or folly. So surely oppression maketh a wise man mad, and a gift destroyeth the heart. Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry, for anger resteth 
in the bosom of fools. Say not thou, what is the cause that the former days were better than these? For thou dost not inquire wisely concerning this. Let's pray together. Father, bless, I pray. Our next few moments in uh, church, thank you for prayer time, and I pray that now we'd be able to receive some things from the Word of God. Thank you for the fellowship that we had as well. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. How is your patience? Maybe you're like, you know what, Pastor, I think I could teach a lesson on this. Maybe you'd say, I have the patience of Job. Well, you know what, then pray for me, because I do not yet quite have that gift but uh, patience is important. I went to Chick-fil-A the other day. Have you seen the lines at Chick-fil-A? I had a flight to catch on last Monday, a week ago, and I went and I got in, there's two lines at the Chick-fil-A in Lakewood. And I just knew when I got in line. Have you ever had that moment where you, where you figure it out real quick that I chose the wrong line? That happened to me very quickly. Do you know how, do you know how angry that makes me? I'm, just, I'm ashamed to say. Like I sit in line and I'm looking over and I see a, a car go by. The car that was behind me is now in front of me. And I'm just boiling up inside, you know, just sitting there. Put, I, and I had to do something, so I just put on some rock music to make myself feel better. You know, i got to soothe the soul a little bit. And uh, No, I'm just kidding. But I, was, I was in line. And, I, and, and so what do you do? You begin to get impatient. You do this number. Okay, you, you ease off the brake a little bit. And the person three cars up, man, he's just having a good time. What's on your chicken sandwich? Chicken! You know, it's just that sort of thing, and you're going nuts, and what do you make your milkshakes out of, you know? Anyway, it was just it, all this stuff going crazy. That, to me, shows me there's still a lot of room for growth in my life when I go there. I had a guy the other day, I was at, the, I was at a stoplight, and it was a go straight or turn lane. You know, you can either go straight or turn, and I couldn't do that in any other lane. This lane turned left, so was, I was going to go straight here. And a guy pulled up behind me, an SUV, older guy, and uh, I wasn't turning right. So he's just looking at me, and so the other cars are going by, and he begins to beep. And he would do this, beep, beep, looked like a robot, beep. I'm just sitting in my car. I'm about to get out and beat up an old man right now. That's what I'm about to do right this second. No, I didn't. But I was like, in the mirror, I was gesturing like, come on. You know, you're trying to do the hand signals like, I'm going straight. I'm going straight. You know, and he's just beep, this, beep, this over and over again. So I've got a long way to go. Now, I don't know about you, but patience is something that uh, we, we can, I believe we can all work on a little bit. You know, it's like our kids, when we give them uh, a piece of candy like a, a, a sucker, like those ring pops or a Tic Tac, they don't even wait. They just chomp it in, in half and begin chewing it. It's not like it's, there's just no patience to slowly lick it or whatever. They're like the owl, you know, how many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop? You know, that's what our kids do. But, you know, I, I want you to, just for a second, just humor me with this. Would you just write down, maybe take a moment, and just write down at the bottom of your sheet, what makes you impatient? What is it that gets you? You know, what is it that's like, you know what, I'm usually pretty decent, but when it comes to this, I have no patience. Identify something, right? Identify something. Years ago, we had, uh, uh, probably 12, 13, 14 years ago, something like that, probably 14 or 15, actually, uh, there was an older lady in our church and, our, and our, my, the pastor that hired me, many of you don't know him, but every sermon was 45 minutes. Every sermon was 45 minutes. They were good sermons, but every, you didn't matter. We're going to have a devotion, it was 45 minutes, at least. 
And uh, they were good, but that's, so be thankful for what you got. Anyway, but uh, 45 minutes, and I loved them. But we had a dear old lady walk out of our church and come up to my wife. And uh, we were sent, because we were with the teenagers a week, we'd come down and greet people in the foyer afterwards. And so she came up, she came walking out with her cane, and she looked at my wife, and she said, I'm long-suffering, but not that long. And, you know, she had to be long-suffering. And she knew what she's talking about. It took her 45 minutes to get to the parking lot, you know? But uh, my wife was loyal, so she threw down and just started fighting her right there. But anyway, but you, what do you struggle with when it comes to patience? Say, why, why are you talking about this? I want you to notice that these verses are dealing with patience and some of the dangers of impatience. Look at verse 7. Surely oppression maketh the wise man mad, and a gift destroyeth the heart. So the first thing I want you to write in here and take notice of an application from this passage is impatience can cause you to compromise your integrity and your honor. If you cannot control yourself, if impatience takes over, it can cause you to compromise your integrity and honor. The word oppression there is speaking of tyranny or even the point of tyranny in, in the form of extortion where you're, you're not just reigning and ruling over people, you're, you're, you're stealing from the people. It's the dirty, the corrupt politicians. It's the corrupt people. In fact, the second part says, and a gift destroyeth the heart. The word gift, is, it means bribe. If you'll fill that in, it means bribe. It's a payoff. So what's it saying? It's saying tyranny or extortion makes a fool out of a wise man. And bribery will corrupt the heart. Now, why would someone... Uh, uh, you know, take money from someone else why, instead of earning it. Why would someone, uh, uh, you know, take the bribe? Well, there, probably greed would be the main reason. Uh, pride would be another reason. Power trip could be another reason. But I also think impatience could be a reason. Impatience. Say, how so? Get rich quick. I can steal money from you. I don't have to work for it. I can take this bribe and, and cut corners. Co listen, corruption is never wise. Cutting corners is really never wise. So on your sheet there, I don't think it's got a blank to it, but do the right thing even if it takes more time and effort. It's worth it to do it the right way. It's worth it to put the effort in. You sleep peaceably at night. You know, you, you don't have to worry about it coming back on you. Do the right thing because if not, if you're impatient in any area of life, it can cause you to compromise in areas where you shouldn't be compromising. It could bring your character into question, your integrity, your honor. Kids don't want to study for school, so they just cheat. They don't want to put the work in. Not our teenagers. Our teenagers are great, except for that one. But our teenagers are I'm just kidding. I didn't even point at anybody in particular. I'm just joking. But, uh, you know, but, but people do this. And probably some of you have done this, if you're honest. But you didn't want to put the work in. You thought, I don't, I don't know. So I'll just take the quick way out. You weren't patient enough to say, I'm going to put the labor in. And that's a form. Of course, laziness is an issue too. But, but it can cause you to compromise your integrity and your honor. Look at verse 8. Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. So why is the, uh, the end of a thing better? That only applies to things that have to do with wisdom. The end is always better than the beginning when it's wise things. Let me explain what I mean. If you'll write this in, the next blank there. Sin is never better at the end than the beginning. Never. Sin 
is never better at the end than the beginning. In fact, sin puts all the good stuff at the beginning and doesn't show you the price tag till later on. Sin pays up front. Sin says you get the reward, but now you're going to pay for it. God says you pay for it, and then you get the reward, and it's a much more lasting reward. You know, when you, when you put something, you, you just buy something, you get it immediately, and then the credit card bill comes in. You're like, man, I want to pay for this. The enjoyment's gone because now you got to pay for it. But those of you who know you've saved up and saved up and saved up and saved up, and then you purchase it, all the paying's done. You get to enjoy it. I did that with a guitar I bought recently. I saved for a long time to get a, a guitar I, I loved and wanted. And, man, I'm glad I didn't just, you know, let's put it on a credit card. No, I get to enjoy it now without the thought of now I have to pay for it. So that's what it's talking about here when it comes to these things. In the Bible, in James 1.15, Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. So sin's price tag always comes later. But it says here that the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. So we're, there's this juxtaposition, there's this uh, uh, pride and its antithesis. And we would say the opposite of pride would be humility. So the opposite of pride in this passage is patience. In other words, patience takes humility. Patience takes humility. When you're dealing with your children and you're losing your patience, it's because you're right. You feel like, I don't have time for this. It's about me. So it's better to have a patient spirit. It takes humility. Pride says, I want it now. I deserve it now. We know that God saves the best for last. We know that God puts the best last. Heaven, the best, is waiting for us. You know, that, that's just, in, in uh, John chapter 2, the wedding at Cana, he had saved the best wine till then, the, the new wine till then. And uh, th that's how God always does things. But, but it's... It, it, I didn't even give you the point at the beginning. I'm sorry. Impatience can cause you to quit during difficulty. Impatience can cause you to quit during difficulty. You probably wrote that down already because it's on the screen there. But so, so it's, it's better at the beginning when it comes to things with God. But that means it's harder at the beginning. You ever notice that good things are usually hard to do? It's the wrong things that are easy. You know, you set out, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work out this year, and I'm going to get buff or whatever, you know. It, it's always easy to not do that. It's always easy to take, it, take the easy way. And, and we all want things right now. I want to be able to lift one, do one curl and have Arnold Schwarzenegger biceps, but it takes time. And what impatience says is, I've been working out for a week. Where's my six-pack? I'm quitting. You know, that's not how it works. If you quit at the beginning of something, you don't reap the rewards of it. You know, I'm going to put work into this marriage. It's easy, all right? We're going to put the work in at the beginning, and then it gets hard. Like, well, I'm going to quit. No, but you don't get to have the relationship of, of Brother and Mrs. Ramsey Lee, who've been married for 50 years. Or uh, Brother and Mrs. Uh, Villarreal, who've been married for 70, was it 77 that we just celebrated? Now, what I'm saying is you have to put the work in. You can't quit, but impatience says, it's not working, I'm just going to quit. And you wind up not reaping on your sheet. We can't quit, or it's not there. I, uh, we can't quit during trials. The end is better than the beginning. 
I'm going through a difficulty, so I'm just going to, I'm just going to quit on God. No, you're going to miss out on the reaping. The good part comes later. The growth and the blessings come later. Some of my favorite verses are uh, Hebrews chapter 10, and I'll just turn there quickly. I don't, I don't, uh, make you turn there, or if you want to, you can, but I'm going to read right away. Hebrews 10, 35 uh, through 37, I love these verses. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, be patient, yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Patience. Don't give up on God. Don't give up during a trial. Don't cast away your confidence. Don't cast away your faith in God because he's coming back. And you'll be thankful you stayed with it. Impatience can cause you to quit during difficulty. Number three, impatience can lead to anger. Verse number nine, be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry for anger rests in the bosom of fools. Uh, outbursts, blow-ups, tantrums, unkind words. What does hasty mean? Hasty means in a hurry or rush. In other words, don't be in a rush to be angry over things. You know people like that? A lot of people seem like they just want to be angry and they're just looking for you to give them an excuse to be angry. It, it, they are quick to anger. They are, they, are, they are hasting to it. As soon as something happens, they are running to the opportunity to be angry over something. And God says don't do that. Anger is in the bosom or the heart of fools, the Bible says. If you'll write this in, an angry spirit is a symptom of foolishness. An angry spirit is, is showing ourselves to be fools. When we, live when we live angrily, when we're soon angry, when, when something happens and we just blow up right away, God says that is what a fool does. Rests in the bosom of fools. The Bible says, be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, which means that it is possible to do that. It is possible to be angry and not sin. It's an emotion. It's possible to do that. Frederick Buechner, uh, who was an American author, also I think he was a Presbyterian pastor, he wrote this a long time ago. He said, uh, and it's just interesting wordplay about, about anger. He said, of the seven deadly sins, which he believed in, anger is possibly the most fun. To lick your wounds, to smack your lips over grievances long past, to roll your tongue over the prospect of bitter confrontation still to come. To savor the most, most, the last toothsome morsel, both the pain you are given and the pain you're giving back. In many ways, it is a feast fit for a king. The chief drawback is that you are wolfing down, what you're wolfing down is yourself. The skeleton at the feast is you. Wow, that's an interesting wordplay of what anger does. The Bible, as Solomon, who wrote this, says in Proverbs 14, 17, he that is soon angry dealeth foolishly, and a man of wicked devices or plans is hated. Proverbs 14, 29, he that is slow to wrath is of great understanding. God says when, when you don't get angry quickly, you understand a lot of things. You're starting to get it. But he that is a hasty of spirit exalteth folly. In spring of 1894, I wasn't alive then, some of you might have been in 1894. But the Orioles, the Baltimore Orioles, went to play the Boston Red Sox in 1894, a long time ago. One of the Orioles named John McGraw got into a fight with the third baseman from Boston. 
So these two start fighting, and then the teams, the benches clear, and the teams come onto the field, and now the teams are fighting. Doesn't end there. People in the crowd, in the stands, start fighting. And now there's people all through the stands fighting and arguing. Because of this, someone sets the stands on fire, burns down to the ground the entire stadium in Boston in 1894. But not only that, the fire spread to 107 other buildings in Boston, all because some people got mad. The Oscars tell me about uh, uh, some uh, baseball, two high school baseball teams today that uh, sort of throwing punches, and I think it was one of the coaches hit a teenager in the face. Today, anger. But that's what anger does. Anger starts fires. Anger doesn't put fires out. What are you doing when you're just given an angry word here and you're responding angry or just given an angry look? You're setting little fires. That's what you're doing. And, and it never puts them out. James 1.19 says, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Be careful for that impatience because it can lead you right into anger. That's a danger. Lastly, verse 10. Impatience can lead to complaining and ingratitude. Impatience can lead to complaining and ingratitude. Look at verse 10. Say not thou, what is the cause, that, or why, uh, that the former days were better than these? For thou dost not inquire wisely concerning this. I wrote in my Bible next to that, the good old days. Why, uh, say not that, what is the cause that the former days were better than these? For thou dost not inquire wisely concerning this. What's he saying, if you'll fill this in? Don't complain about the good old days. I'm not complaining, I'm just reminiscing. You're complaining about the today when you're living in the past. In the book of Ezra, the temple was rebuilt by Zerubbabel, and during that time, uh, you know, there were people that had seen the temple before it was destroyed, and they were older, and now the temple has been rebuilt. And so they finish the temple, and the older people come up there, and they start crying and weeping because it's not like they remembered it. The younger people who had never seen a temple, man, they're excited and thrilled because they have a temple back now, the place where God's presence would be. And they're excited. And the Bible warns us against having the spirit of the ancients. Of oh, I've seen it better before. Man, it, this is not like it was back in my day. Tell you what, I just can't even believe how bad this is. Because back in my... It says don't have that spirit. In Exodus and Numbers, it was the children of Israel pining away for the good old days back in Egypt. Remember that? Oh, we remember the leeks and the garlic that we had. How come they didn't remember the bondage and the slavery? You know, it's the good old days. The good old days means you have a bad memory and a good imagination. That's what somebody said. You think about the good old days, you probably have a bad memory and a good imagination. You're remembering it a certain way that it probably was not then. When you live in the past, there are a couple things and we're done, write this in. When you live in the past, you'll have no patience for new things. What is this newfangled contraption? Look at this cell phone. I got to, what? It's got to read my face. You know, I want that. We can have that spirit about anything. What are these tables out in the foyer? What are these, what are these pub tables doing out here? What are they, you know, stand-up tables? That, we didn't have that back in my day. What's wrong with a table? 
Now, no one has said that. I don't think that's a problem here. I don't think anyone's upset about the table. I would hope you're not upset about the tables. I'm using it as an example. We're going to throw some paint on the walls in the auditorium in a couple months. Oh, I don't like this color of paint. I remember back when it was this weird off-white color that reminded me of a cigarette smoke-stained house. Man, I miss that. I'm not mocking it. I'm just I'm mocking the spirit, okay? Get what I'm saying here. You can't just live in the past or you will accept no new things. And not everything that's new is bad. Not everything. And we'll have no patience for good things if we, don't, if we just live in the past. Secondly, if you live in the past, you'll not appreciate the present. You'll look down on what you have now saying, well, I remember how it was back then. I remember, honey, when you used to be able to fit into those clothes. I remember when you used to have a brain. You know, you you can start remembering back things, you know. You'll not appreciate the present if you're always living in the past, okay? Number next, what happens when you live in the past? You'll have a murmuring spirit, a murmuring spirit. Solomon says it's not wise to be asking, hey, what happened to the good old days? You're going to be tempted to murmur and complain. The Bible says do all things without murmurings and disputings. Everything that's done. Uh, yeah, well, it's just not the way we used to do it. This is not this, that. And, and, and I'm not mocking anybody with that. I'm saying if you are constantly living in the past, your spirit will be affected negatively. Your spirit will become murmuring. Your spirit will become complaining about everything. And we've seen those people. Like we, we, we all know people that have gotten older and they haven't gotten sweeter. They've become more bitter. Instead of becoming sweet tea, they're just black coffee, you know? And that's disgusting. So you know, sweet tea is one is just delicious, right? That's what flows on in the mountains of heaven is just sweet tea. And if you all knew that, it's in the Bible somewhere. I think it's second opinions. But anyway... Uh, you will have, you, but that's what will happen to your spirit when you begin to get uh, uh, live in the past. So don't don't have the impatience with new things because of your ingratitude of what you have. Don't have impatience with things now because you're complaining about how things used to be. So just some thoughts here about patience. So the last one in here on your, on your sheet there, as we close on time, patience is one of the fruits of the Spirit. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit. So I want to ask you this. Is this an area of growth for you? Is this an area where you'd say, Pastor, I need growth in that area. Hey, I need growth in this area too. There are things I feel like I'm pretty patient with, and there are things I'm not patient at all with. And I don't want my patience to lead me to anger. I don't want my patience to cause me to compromise my integrity or my honor. I don't want my patience to give me a spirit of, I don't like anything because I remember the way it was. And I don't have any patience for anything new. And maybe today you've been struggling with some anger and you have need of patience. I would also say part of the thing here about quitting, don't give up. Maybe you started on a new venture for something and you're not seeing the results that you thought you would right away. Something spiritual, something good. I would encourage you, keep sowing, keep doing right, because we shall reap if we faint not. But if you quit, you don't get to reap. So stay with it. Patience is a virtue. Father, bless.